man. Alrighty. This is a good one. So this theory is about Event Horizon. Is a <laughs> oh boy. Is a prequel to Warhammer 40k. You ever heard this one? I have not heard that one, and oh. I do have to say I am very intrigued. I don't know a ton about uh, Warhammer, uh, Warhammer 40k, but neither I have do some I. Idea, I'm gonna like just a give little a, bit of knowledge. I'm gonna give a pretty big, big like sky view uh, version of Warhammer 40k uh, for our viewers. Maybe we should start with the thing. Let's start with the thing. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Fanspiracy Theories here on Seven Days to Rock and Stone, Guardians. We are going over a prequel, as you were probably listening, about uh, Event Horizon being the prequel to uh, Warhammer 40k. I'm going to go over a little bit about the plot summary for Event Horizon for those who don't know about it, uh, and then I'm going to go over some stuff about Warhammer 40k. Um, I mean, Ryan, how much, how much about Warhammer do you know? Cause I'm not I'm like uh, super let's see. They're like the human factions, which are like, you know, your regular lame ass humans. And then there's the fancy humans, uh, that have like a bunch of flags and whatever. And then there's the, uh, chaos stuff, which is like, uh, hell, I guess. And then there's like a bunch of non-human fantasy stuff like orcs and elves and goblins. And then you've got like mummies and vampires and all sorts of interesting stuff. Um, it does sound and then really I guess good. 40K Why do I not know anything about uh, it, it's So it, it started with a tabletop game, um, like minifigures. Uh, it's been like going for kind of a long time. Um, but they haven't put a lot of stuff outside of that until like kind of recently uh so like now there's like a bajillion video games about it and uh actually i just got one in the humble bundle that um hired gun mm -hmm. uh it's it, it's kind of like doom it's it's close to doom oh, but it's so good have you ever seen doom annihilation the movie uh, i did not see that movie i saw the original doom for movie. those who are giant fans of carl urban who's been in literally every franchise you can think of. Yep. Go see Doom Annihilation. I think it's on Netflix. It was the last time I watched it. If anything, it's probably on Amazon Prime. That seems like a movie they would have. But it's, last time I watched it, it was on uh, Netflix because it was like, here, you watch sci-fi things. Watch this. And I was like, okay, it's got Carl Urban in. I can't be wrong. Because nothing yeah. that Carl Urban is in well, is the, the terrible. Well, the original Doom had Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, but this one's better. I I oh, like yeah. I right. like I'll the Rock. Nothing against the Rock. I like him. But I it, it was also before he was like a super huge star, so he was trying harder. Also true. But what I like about Carl Urban is the fact that he's been in so many good things, and I've never seen him in a bad movie. No, Carl Urban seems to be pretty down to earth. Like, even Priest, people didn't care for that movie. I would have loved for them to be a little bit more in-depth on it. I don't know if you've seen Priest. Priest is a really good movie about... Uh, isn't them. that... That's a show. Is it? No, that's yeah. Preacher. You're thinking of Preacher. Preacher. 
Preacher. Oh, yeah. No, I know the movie you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Priest is with, uh, not Jude Law, what the, uh, Paul Bettany, Carl yes. Urban. Um, That was like pre-Paul Bettany being in like uh, decent movies and not like B-movies. He was in a lot of religious movies, like all at once. He was in Priest, and then he was also in oh, Legion. Yeah, those are very loosely religious. Like if you watch them, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean the the context of everything that's happening is religious dogma, but at the same time, it's more of a horror slash action movie kind of thing, right? But uh, Priest is about um, post apocalyptic future, of course, where uh, the Earth was overrun by vampires, creatures that would basically cannibalize human beings and uh, create familiars, which are basically like drained humans who are, you know, slave to the vampire race. Uh, Priests were uh, taught or trained to take them out. And the religious military was born kind of thing. They live in large cities um, and they let vampires or what's left of the vampires live in, hives or nests reservations i think is what they call them so it's a it's an interesting movie it's not like super um what's the word i'm going for it doesn't it didn't have a great budget i'll tell you that much but no they're very i I remember it having a lot of moments that felt like super empty real cheesy plot nothing there yeah but if you're looking for a movie where there's a cheesy plot, science fiction that you haven't seen before, and it's got Carl Urban because everything he's in, he makes look like gold, pretty much. He was a great performance in that one. Uh, but I would have loved for them to go more in-depth to the lore of that kind of universe. That would have been real cool. But I'm I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, let's first let's first go over Warhammer 40k. I'm gonna just read the summary of what it is from the Warhammer 40k uh, fandom page, because uh, it gives a bit of a summary right there. Um, it is the 41st millennium. For more than a hundred centuries, the Emperor of Mankind has sat immobile on the golden throne of Earth. He is the master of mankind by the will of the gods, and master of a million worlds by the might of his inexhaustible armies. He is a rotting carcass, writhing invisibly with power from the dark age of technology. He is the carry-on lord of the vast imperium of man, for whom thousand souls are sacrificed every day so that he may never truly die. The god-emperor. Yeah, so yet even in his deathless state, the emperor continues his eternal vigilance. Mighty battle fleets cross the daemon-infested miasma of the warp, the only route between distant stars. Their way lit by the astronomicon psychic manifestation of the emperor's will vast armies give battle in his name on uncounted worlds greatest among his soldiers are the adeptus to starts space marines bioengineered super warriors their comrades in arms are legion the imperial guard and countless planetary defense forces the ever vigilant inquisition and the tech priests of the adeptus mechanicus to name only a few but for all their multitudes, they are barely enough to hold off the ever-present threat to humanity from aliens, heretics, mutants, and far, far worse. Yeah, I think in the space one, they've got... Uh, so the Chaos uh, Warriors are still there. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's also the Necrons. So yeah, they yeah they have a list of the ones that they have. So there's the Imperium of Man, the Astra Militarum, Inquisition, uh, Space Marines, Primarchs, Adeptus Mechanicus, Chaos, uh, Craft World Eldari, the Tau, Necrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyranids, Orcs, and the Drakari. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, I think there are a lot more, like... Uh, Factions, foe, I would call maybe. them, like, foe, foe races, where they're, like, specifically antagonists of, like, almost everything else yeah. than in the original Warhammer. We keep talking about this thing, the warp. Is I don't it, know what that is. Uh, I, so, I, I'm guessing it's just warp drives. So warp drive, warp engines, uh, devices integrated into spacecraft used by many intelligent races to actually enter the warp. Oh, like so, um, hyperspace. Yeah, so the warp itself, it seems, is its own thing. It's also called the immaterium. Uh, the warp is a strange, terrible place. You might as well throw a traveler into a sea of sharks and tell him to swim home as send him through the warp unprotected. Better it is not to let common man travel through the stars. Better still, let him not know such a thing is feasible. So the Immaterium is also referred to as the Empyrean, the Ether, the Sea of Souls, the Realm of Chaos, Warp Space, or most commonly, the Warp. Uh, an alternate dimension of purely psychic energy that echoes and underlies the familiar four dimensions of the material universe. Okay. So it's it, it, what it sounds like, and anybody who plays Warhammer 40k, please um, feel free to correct me, is it is some kind of hell dimension outside of normal space that is filled with psychic energy that is far too much for the common man to handle unprotected. So, and traveling through this warp uh, using warp drives allows them to travel faster than light and and reach. So, uh, for Minecraft players, it's sort of like the nether, where the nether is a closed, compacted space existing inside outside of your regular Minecraft area. So for every 10 spaces in the nether, you travel like 40 spaces in in real uh, Minecraft. A lot of people would use it to go places a lot faster uh, during the early times of Minecraft, when the nether was just the only thing outside, other than the end. Back in the early days. (laughs) I remember when it was in beta and I bought it for the first time. I still have not played Minecraft. Really? Uh-huh. I mean, you like those those building games. I'm surprised. It's something about the, like, voxel type thing. I don't really like voxel building games. Wow. I don't know. I'm sure I'll pick it up at some point. I mean, you can get, them, you can get mods to change it so it looks more realistic. If it bothers you, that's so boxy. Um, I think it's more that doesn't seem to have a, like, end goal. I mean, did you ever 
play with Legos at, when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. There's really no end goal there. Unless you were yeah. obviously just building Legos for the sake of building a Lego set. But I mean, like, for the video game, though. Oh my god, man. The idea is to continue building a world outside of your own world. Pain in my ass. I mean, you know, I get, I get the point of it. It's just not, like, my jam. All right, so that's that's Warhammer 40k in a nutshell. Um, it sounds cool. I wonder if Tabletop Simulator has a download for it. I'll have to look that up. Maybe, but they are very, uh, like, protective of the property. So I would imagine, unless it's directly licensed, that it may not. Hmm. Good point. It's pretty good. Pretty good point. Um, but so that's that's that. That coincides with what Event Horizon is about, which I will go into uh, now. I will give you a uh, summary of the plot. So uh, it's 2047. So it's long before the year 41,000. Or yeah, the yeah. 40, yeah. yeah or 40,000 in this case, not the 41st century. Um, a distress signal has been received uh, from a starship known as the Event Horizon, which disappeared during its maiden voyage to Proxima Centauri seven years previous. Uh, it's mysteriously reappeared in a decaying orbit around Neptune. Uh, a rescue vessel, the Lewis and Clark, has been dispatched. Its crew, Captain Miller, uh, second-in-command Lieutenant Stark, Pilot Smith, Medical Technician Peters, Engineer Ensign Justin, Dr. DJ, Rescue Technician Cooper, uh, joined by Dr. William Weir. Uh, the Captain Miller's played by Lawrence Fishburne. Sam Neill plays Dr. William Weir. Um, who it, then... It's a beautiful cast. It's, it's maybe one of the best oh, sci-fi casts out there. It really is. Um, Kathleen Quinlan was in it. Um Jolie Richardson, which a lot of people would probably know her from that drama series Nip Tuck, or the okay. Tudor, or the Showtime The Tudors. I and think she was in that. Those. Um, it was written by Philip Eisner, uh, directed by Paul W. S. Anderson. Obviously, anything that guy touches is pretty damn good. It had a um, a budget of about sixty million. Its box office takings was like forty-two million. So not great. Uh, it didn't do so well, but it is a cult classic. It's considered a cult classic. It's only an hour and a half. Kind of sad, but they they got the I guess they got the story along. Um. So anyway, uh, upon boarding the Event Horizon, the crew finds that the there's an evidence of a massacre of the previous crew. Um. They search for survivors. Uh, the ship's gravity drive, which is an experimental drive that they are using to achieve faster than light travel, uh, activates, which briefly pulls Justin um, into the resulting portal and causes a shockwave that damages the Lewis and Clark. So it forces the entire crew to board the event horizon. Um, Justin emerges from that portal in a catatonic state. Um as a result of what he's seen on the other side. Um, he attempts to commit suicide by decompression, but he's saved by Captain Miller and forcing, uh, and forces the crew to, to place him into stasis. 
Um, things start to go even crazier. Uh, people start to see hallucinations. Eventually, Dr. Weir goes, you know, you know crazy, batshit, insane. And he attempts to get them all to go. Uh, so eventually, Dr. Weir goes crazy from all of his hallucinations and attempts to activate the gravity drive to send them to the uh, Hell on Earth. It's a fantastic piece of horror and sci-fi mixed together. Um, have you, you've yeah, seen it? The visuals are like amazing. It's stunning. And I, I'm so sad that nobody really cared for it. It was um, when it was a thing. The movie yeah, has the gravity drive alone is probably one of the best pieces of architecture on a movie set I have ever seen. Cause that's all real. That whole room I'm, I'm confident in saying is complete uh, set and it was great. Uh, you people well, have... I mean, this is way before they had the capacity to do full rooms of uh stuff that looked real in cgi if anything it was like a partial build that had like stuff added on but i think it was all practical oh yeah no the most of it was practical effects it was um stunning for uh when did this movie come out 1997 yes 1997 actually this would be the almost 25th anniversary oh wow uh yeah the as we're recording this it is august the 10th the release date for this was august the 15th 1997 so it's reaching its 24th anniversary i think that's a pretty good reason to to do this fanspiracy theory today it's good enough reason for me i mean oh, we yeah. are we're already 20 minutes in so <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just keep rolling so anyway this this hell dimension of sorts keeps keeps pulling them in, keeps pulling Dr. Weir over, and things just get out of hand. And it's up to Captain Miller to confront Weir and overpower him so that they can get the hell out of there and let the event horizon take Dr. Weir to the hell dimension and just stay there. Um, it is, it, it, it's a well-spun-up movie, and I, I really highly recommend, but the theory revolves around the fact that this hell dimension that the event horizon spent the last seven years in is very similar to what they think the warp is from Warhammer 40 K. That's sort of the tie in and how it, how it became a thing. Okay. Um, okay. So let's get a little into, um, this Warhammer 40 K prequel fan theory, uh, and then the explanation behind it. So, I'm uh, not really certain where it started. However, um, the article that I read was by Patrick Cotter um, from uh, ScreenRant.com. Interestingly enough, he had uh, written this only a couple of days previous to this. So uh, hmm. it was in- in- interesting to find. So let's get to it. Ready? You strapped Let's in. Do it. I am um, your seat belted. <laughs> I'm ready for some darkness, Kevin. Some, Take me there. Yeah, because this one's going to be dark. We're going back to the dark, people. This we is mean back uh, to the dark. <laughs> we never left. Never left. Did you enjoy that? Uh, that um, 
YouTube from Key and Peel, the sketch with the uh, yeah, family that matters. was amazing. <laughs> For those of you who who didn't catch it, I did. Uh, we did tweet it a few few days ago. Um, a Key and Peel sketch about family matters, where um, Reginald Vell Johnson walks into a, a meeting with a coked out uh, studio exec and. He tries to convince them that he's going to walk if they don't give him more screen time and more good parts and stop making the plots of the, of the show insane. And then Steve Urkel walks in and starts going, you know, that's not how this works, Carl. And he has telekinetic powers for some reason. It's kind of funny. Right. But yeah, I would, wa- <laughs> I would watch it. Uh, just some of the, just some of the brilliance behind Jordan Peele and, um, Keenan Michael Key, but uh, you really see how Jordan Peele has a, a knack for horror. After directing Mortal Kombat, director Paul S. Uh, w. S. Anderson um, had actually turned down some pretty high-profile gigs, like uh, Alien Resurrection, to focus on the Event Horizon instead. Oof. That's definitely good because Alien Resurrection was complete ass. I mean. Alien Resurrection did better, I'm pretty sure, at the box office. Oh, I mean, it had the name. It had the name. It, it had, had it, all people, the yeah, people went to it, see yeah. it just for the sake of uh, that. Uh, yep. Because it had a budget of about $70 million and the box office take was uh, $160 million, So Yeah, I, think I mean, they, it they did really okay. felt like they threw that money in the, in the grinder, but I guess it did all right. But it is definitely I... not the Alien movie you want to watch. It's not my first choice. It's I don't the bottom. hate it. I like it better than Prometheus. Um, what? But I like the one after Prometheus better than Prometheus. Obviously, I can't remember what it what it's called. That one felt more like a classic Aliens movie. It was much better, yeah, for for sure. Uh, so, um, it follows a rescue crew who recover an experimental spaceship where they quite literally uh, escape hell. Um, and the movie was put together under a pretty tight production schedule. But it was, uh, we already said, a critical commercial failure. Um, however, after the fact, it was rediscovered on VHS and then subsequently DVD um, and became a, a pretty cult classic. I love it. He loves it. Um People sort of get a Hellraiser vibe off of it too. I was gonna say it. It could also have like a, a analog for that, as like literally going to hell and them transforming into cenobites. Cenobites. Yeah. That's... Like from Cinnabon. No, no. The 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 antagonists of Hellraiser, cenobites, cenobites. That sounds like a dessert to me. <laughs> Not Cenobites, Cenobites. It sounds like a dessert to they me. They take pleasure from pain. Oh. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, this, this theory uh, posits that the Event Horizons uh, crew marked um, humanity's first time traveling. Sorry. First time traveling. Forgot to put a thing Is in there. Is that with a capital T? 
Shut traveling. up. Traveling. So first time traveling through the Immaterium or the Hell Dimension, Chaos Realm, whatever you want to call it. We're going to call it, um, for the most part, the Warp. Um, its gravity drive later led to the creation of the 40K Warp Drive, uh, and the crew was exposed to chaotic energy from this dimension, which drove them to acts of extreme violence, murder, and gore. Uh, in the m- So, I like the, the flashing pictures that Lawrence Fishburne gets when, the, when Sam Neill's character comes up to him and sort of um, telepathically forces him to see what the hell dimension looks like. You remember that part of the movie? Uh, it's it's shortly game. after Dr. Weir thinks his wife is there, but's not there, and he goes crazy. So he finds Lawrence Fishburne, and, and then they sort of confront each other, and he pushes images of what the Hell Dimension looks like. Basically, it's graphic... It's not it's not super graphic because they could only do so much before they would have gotten an NC-17 rating and that would have totally totally screwed the movie. But it's Oh like, yeah. It's yeah. like this guy who's on a table with razor wire going in and out of him from all different directions. He's cut in multiple different places. It looks as though half his jaws falling off. It it's the goriest things they could come up with. That wouldn't give them an NC-17 rating. So, um, that's that's where the, that's what the hell dimension is in on for for Event Horizon. Um, so it returned. Uh, so once the Event Horizon returned, it brought um, an entity back with it, instilled inside of the walls of the of the uh, ship itself, uh, possibly a daemon of chaos. Or Demon of Chaos, um, which attacks the rescue crew and causes hallucination that preys on all of their fears. <clears throat> Dr. Neil, uh, what did I say, Dr. Neil? Neil's Dr. Weir <laughs> um, becomes possessed by that evil presence on the ship and it rips his eyes out, which was a. That best, scene. That was Ooh. the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, that's just fucked up. His eyes ripped out. He's running around. He's got telekinetic powers, but he's a blind dude, completely blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the alternate dimension dimension is essentially pure chaos. This is uh, an exact quote. He actually calls it a, a dimension of pure chaos. So, um, oh my gosh, that's it. The dimension of pure chaos. No, sorry. I, 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 trying to read what I was writing and then talking at the same time wasn't wasn't working. Oopsie. But so that the what what ties it all together is the fact that the warp itself is a chaos dimension where demons reign. You could call it a hell dimension. You could. Um, uh, you could call it a, a chaos, a realm of chaos, pure chaos, whatever the hell you want to go with. But the event horizon has been there first, and this is what causes. So unfortunately, this is a pretty short one. That's pretty, pretty sad. Yeah. But 
I think you'll you'll agree. Event Horizon's a good movie. Oh yeah. And Warhammer 40k sounds like a pretty decent uh, board game to me. Uh, yeah, the the pieces are are really like interesting. And this is one of those ones where people buy the really ridiculously expensive like pewter models or something. Uh, then... No, they they were pewter. Uh, now they? it's um, I think they're just plastic now. That's but uh, they're still incredibly expensive. Yeah. How can they be expensive if they're made of plastic? Because they charge you an ass load. Wow. Wow. The pleasure of uh, playing games workshop stuff. <laughs> Sounds expensive. Uh, yeah. Especially if you like do the painting. So if you paint them too, like you can, you can of course use like model paints, but uh, they have their own line of paints, which are, they're fair. Like they're not, like the best paints I've ever used, and they're definitely not the worst, but uh, they're definitely expensive for what they are. The paints themselves, the the paint that they sell, yeah. Can you just not? Can you not use like other paints that you can get on your own? No, I mean you can. You can. I, I literally, Kevin. I literally just said, Kevin. Yes. God damn it, Kevin. I'm sorry. I obviously wasn't paying attention well enough but it sounded it sounded like you could get your own stuff you you can uh, uh, yes you can get your own stuff um and uh the paint that they sell is not bad it's definitely not bad paint but it's also uh definitely not like worth the price they pay like they cost i mean you would know better than anyone you're an artiste yeah, I like them. I like their paints. Like they, they're very useful. Um, I do Gundam customizing, and I, I is do something that, use their paints for that. Is there something about it that's special? I'm sure they have like a, a specific thing on there, but um, like, does it like stick better? I, I you know, I, I don't even know the no. I don't even I, know it, the it really measurement doesn't. for that medium. It really doesn't, but it is nice that they offer things that um, you would have to make yourself otherwise. So, like, uh, they're, like, washes that you can make, which is essentially just, like, a diluted version of the thing. So you can use it like a ink instead of uh, instead of just paint. So it washes over and gets in the creases. It gives you, like, shadows, gives you detailing. Um, that's cool. And then um, they have, like ones that go in airbrushes, which I definitely would say compared with other airbrush paints, uh, they're just they're just expensive for what they are. They're a little too fluidy. Um, but again, you know, they're not bad paints. Not by yeah. far. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, yeah. They're average. I wouldn't even know how to measure a good paint. It, I mean, just, part of it is just watercolors, just my, just my jam. How it feels, you know. Compared with a watercolor paint, it, it would probably feel a lot heavier, but it's probably lighter than a normal acrylic paint. Oh my god, we're learning about paints today, everybody. That's what's happening. Yeah, That's... and if you if you haven't like taken a chance to paint and like you think you can't do it, you can do it. Anybody can do it. Even Kefir could do it if you really tried. Probably not. I'm not much of a painter. I'm not even much of a drawer, really. I mean, all it takes is practice. 
Uh, do is put in the work. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you right now. In high school, there was a a kid who I I, I don't even know if he graduated. To tell you the truth, he probably didn't. Um, who would just draw whatever the hell you asked him to for like five bucks? And when I say anything, I mean literally anything. <laughs> you could tell him to draw a duck with a dick on it, and that he would have done it as long as you gave him five bucks. That sounds like it's definitely worth five bucks for sure. I mean, it's uh, some guys were asking for some really crazy, gross shit. You know, like, oh, well, I mean, it's high school, so I I imagine the. I went to an all guys school, by the way. Terrible. So yeah, yeah. You can get an idea of what they were asking for. Essentially, it was fucked. Yeah, we're gonna. That's that, that's just nasty. Um, some interesting things that I've learned. Some geeky things that some people might enjoy over the past week. Uh, Pod Meets World is a podcast that I found that I think some of you would enjoy. Um, other than ours, it's um, Wilfredell. Danielle Fischel and Ryder Strong rewatching Boy Meets World and talking about it. Oh, nice. That and, does sound like fun. Yeah, anybody who knows Will Friedle, Will Friedle is actually a fantastic voice actor. Um, a bit of a legend in his own right of voice acting. Because he got out of the physical acting because he hates being in front of the camera. He prefers just his voice. He does a couple of different podcasts. Um, he does a, a, a regular show where he brings on voice actors. Uh, I think he does one with Christy Carlson Romano. Uh, now I guess he does this one. Um, he did a thing. Uh, he did a, a, an episode with the guy who does the voices for the Looney Tunes now. Who? Who? Is what you're I saying? mean... Is that no, what no, you said? I, or, I said or, ooh. I okay. Said, ooh. I don't know who it is, but ooh is the right answer because he sounded really good. Um, but it's the it's this um, larger fellow, not huge, who does the voices, and when he switches between voices, it it is crazy. But basically what he did was he's like, would you like to try and do a voice? Because I can tell you how to do it. And Will Friedle got pretty close when he did uh, uh, Tweety Bird. They had him do Tweety Bird, and he had, he had him try Bugs Bunny. He got pretty close, but it sounded like more like Will Friedle than it sounded like Bugs Bunny. But, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, for, like, what, a couple minutes of trying, it's probably pretty good. Yeah. But Will Friedle is uh, a fantastic voice actor. He did Batman Beyond, too, as Terry McGinnis. He was the Batman. The Batman. Also a comic book that I'm going to be getting <coughs> relatively shortly. The Batman Who Laughs. Oh, that leads into some like really crazy stuff. I don't read like any DC, but I did read... Um, uh, I think it's Dark Knight's Metal. Mm. And then some of the stuff after that. Well, the first seven issues are the. I think that's the entire run, to tell you the truth, of the Batman Who Laughs particular genre, or sorry, particular run of comics. 
Uh, it definitely it's, doesn't stop there, though. No, it doesn't. But this is like its own little thing that ran for a couple of years, and it had like seven issues or something like that. It's all on, on sale right now on Google Books, and that's where I like to get it. It's like nine bucks or something like that. I'm about to buy it. Nice. And uh, read it, because it sounds pretty good. Um, for those who are unaware, the Batman Who Laughs is a alternate dimension, or an alternate universe version of Batman who, instead of the Joker falling into the vat, he fell into the vat and became the Batman Who Laughs. So basically, it's a Joker-Batman crossover hybrid. And he's, I think he's hell-bent on destroying the multiverse or something. But he's uh, I think he just wants to make the world evil. I mean, it has like something. To, I'm pretty sure it, like it goes into the multiverse of some sort. I don't know. I haven't really read it. It, it sure does. Uh, that's, I think, but after that initial run. I find it super intriguing because Batman, in his own right, Bruce Wayne is super intelligent, uh, fantastic strategist. And um, for those who are in the know of the Batman, he basically has a contingency plan for everyone, including himself in the Justice League, so I'd love to see how that works out. Sounds cool. Have you read it? Yeah, you're in for a treat. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Well, that's, I mean, that's all I got for today. Um, Okay. It was a good, it's an interesting fan theory. Uh, I really recommend watching Event Horizon, playing Warhammer 40k, or even just reading the lore from Warhammer 40k. Yeah, if you don't want to do the models, like um, you could do uh, any of the like games out there. There are literally dozens of them. Um, Hired Gun is definitely a good one to get into. Uh, if you like more like Civ stuff, um, there's Gladius. There's um, a more like uh, Back for Blood, Left for Dead one. I think it's called Dreadnought. Uh, so mm. there, there are a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, let us know if you've got any fan theories for us to do. Um, we'll see if we can deep dive into some good ones, and I will find another one for us next week. Um, catch us for Comic Book Fridays and Stargate Sundays when we get back into them. I feel like all we've done are fan conspiracy theories, but it seems like that's what the people want because those are very popular. Well, nice. Uh, well, we I get, mean, like, it's we the other ones t- take a lot more time to figure out, too. Yeah. So, we will uh, we will see you. Have a good one, guys. We wish you seven days of rock and stone, Guardians. Yeah.